So the first one is wholehearted self-leadership. And as I've gone through everything I've done, that's at the centre of the journey. In plain English, that means creating your story. So it's that idea that, you know, and I've got a piece of paper up here with create your story and all the things I'm doing shooting out from it. And it's that idea of being an active self-directing participant in our own story is, is what the book's about, what my life's about and what my coaching's about. So... Welcome to Rights for Women, a podcast all about celebrating women's voices and supporting women writers. I'm Pamela Cook, women's fiction author, writing teacher, mentor and podcaster. Before beginning today's chat, I would like to acknowledge and pay my respects to the Dharawal people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, along with the traditional owners of the land throughout Australia, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. And a quick reminder that there could be strong language and adult concepts discussed in this podcast, so please be aware of this if you have children around. Now, let's relax on the Convo couch and chat to this week's guest. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rights for Women. Today's episode is the September Heart of Writing episode, and my guest is Terry Canellan. Terry is a certified life coach, author, an accredited psychological type practitioner. If you don't know what that is, we're going to find out more in the interview. She has a Master of Arts in Language and Literacy and a successful 30-year career as a teacher and leader in adult vocational education. Terry's coaching and writing focus on creativity, personality and self-leadership, especially for women in transition to a life with deeper purpose. She works with women globally through her creative business, Quiet Writing, encouraging deeper self-understanding of body of work, creativity and psychological type for more wholehearted and fulfilling lives. Terry supports women in writing and publishing their wholehearted stories and her book, Wholehearted Self-Leadership for Women in Transition, is actually coming out next week. She lives and writes in a village on the outskirts of Sydney, surrounded by beach and bush. And if you follow Terry on Instagram, you'll be able to see some of the gorgeous pictures of the setting in which she lives. I'm really looking forward to talking to Terry today on the podcast about this whole community that she's building around this old idea of being wholehearted. So Terry, welcome to the Rights for Women Convo Couch. Thank you, Pamela. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, and thank you so much too for your support of the podcast. I know that you're a regular listener and supporter at Rights for Women. So it's really, I love to have people, you know, who are part of the Rights for Women community come come on and chat to them about their own books. It's always really gratifying. Oh, it's exciting. It's been wonderful to connect with you, to learn about, you know, so many women's books and writing and social media through your platform. So it's wonderful to be part of it. Thank you. Well, congratulations on your book, Wholehearted, and the companion workbook, which we're going to talk about. I have done an intro and and told the listeners a little bit about you and your background, but can you sort of fill us in on how you got to be here in this position with a book about to be released? Yes, it's been a journey over about four or five years now, so quite a long whole journey and and one about transition, which is what the book's about. So my background is that I've been a leader and a teacher in the adult vocational education sector, so in TAFE for people in Australia who know the technical further education sector, which took a big chunk of my life from my mid-20s until my mid-50s. 
but I've always wanted to write books to create uh, and to really focus on that creative side of life. So what I found was that, you know, work was moving in one direction. I was trying to create what I wanted in the margins of the day through courses, through um, my blog, but I wasn't able to create what I really wanted until I made a big shift. So about four or five years ago, I decided to make a plan Mm -hmm. to shift to become a coach to work on psychological type and to write books. So that's what the focus has been. And that process meant learning new skills, moving from the workplace, working out how income gets managed in the mix of all that, but particularly looking at my creativity and where it fit in the world. So the book really became sort of intertwined. I was going through all those changes, but also because of my passion was about writing, it just seemed the most natural thing to write about what was happening to me as I went through the experience. So now I work as a life coach. Writing is a key part of my existence. And those two uh, elements are the the key of my life. It's fascinating. I'm I'm really interested in all this. And I've had a really good look at your website, Terry, and you've just got so many different things going on, you know, so many facets of your own journey and then sharing that journey with other people. Can you talk a little bit more about your, I guess, your your transition into being a life coach and what that involved in terms of the training and how you found that whole experience? Yes, it's been a really important part of my journey and I think probably because I've been a teacher and you know, working with people, making a difference, imparting my skills and knowledge as always, you know, when I look at my body of work and what's important to me, that's been a key theme. So when I was working out what to do post my paid employment, you know, in the government sector, it was important for me to try um, to find a path that, you know, was meaningful to me, that played on my strengths, that used the skills I had, and identified coaching as a really, you know, teaching, mentoring, coaching was part of what I did, but I wanted to do it in a different way. So that's how I moved towards coaching and particularly life coaching. So that was a key platform. And I trained with the Beautiful You Life Coaching Academy, which is a really beautiful uh, women-centered, heart-centered organization and community that continues to support uh, me, even though I trained four years ago. Mm. I'm very grateful for that community. Learning those skills. So I see coaching as a skill that I added to my skill set. The second skill that I was really important to me is psychological type and understanding personality. And that's because that was such a key part of my journey when I truly understood myself, developed that self-knowledge and was able to you know, understand my introversion, understand intuition better, you know, just all those pieces. I was able to work um, with that. To me, it was about skills and I had three three key skills, I guess, because I came from a skills background and maybe that's why, but it was become a coach, become a psychological type practitioner, personality type. And the third was to become fluent in the intuitive art of tarot. And that also was a really key part of my journey too. I didn't really know why at the beginning, but as, as, as my journey went on, I learned much more about what that was about. But the reason for the whole change was to get back to what was important to me, which was about writing uh, and about creativity. Mm. It's amazing. I think it's just so fascinating. So how do you support women through your role as a life coach? How does it differ from, say, going to see a counsellor or a psychologist? What would be your role if someone came to you and said, I want to work with you as my coach? Yeah, so I think people know a bit about coaching perhaps from the workplace, you know, where it's, you know, like a business coach or a, perhaps a mentor in the workplace, more so than understanding the role of what a life coach can add. 
But coaching is a skill and ability to listen, to reflect back, to ask the right questions, to almost like to create a container, create space for people to be able to explore and make progress on what they can't do themselves, basically. So for me, I, you know, when I sort of hit rock bottom and I knew I needed to make a transition, I reached out to a coach. And I think for me, that, that experience of knowing, you know, someone could be there for me, someone who'd been a little bit further down the road and had made the transition that I wanted to make was mm. the person I chose. And that's often the case. And so the work that I do with women is centered around personality, around creativity and around self-leadership. So that's sort of the three key areas that have emerged in my sort of experience, my body of work. So people connect with me. I have a discovery call, self-leadership discovery call, which is a free call. People connect, we have a conversation and we identify what might work for them, whether it's um, one-on-one coaching, group coaching, or a combination of the two we can easily customise. But the idea really is to set goals, to set intentions, to work out what you know, where people want to head and then to create a path for that. And accountability is a really important part of it too. So it might be you know, deciding you want to write a first draft of a book would be something we could work on. Often there's a number of goals that stitch together mm. and a lot of it's about mindset. So it's about you know, shifting self-beliefs that aren't working. So there might be a goal around writing a book, but in, in getting to that, we'll also tackle the things that are stopping that. And we'll work with personality around the strengths that can help people do that, but also back in around what else can you do that you're not doing now that can help you. And they're the sort of things that coaching and life coaching can really help focus on because as I've found and, and women I've worked with found, you can't see it for yourself. You know the answers, but you're, you need someone to help you see them, listen within and to draw them out. So, yeah, yeah so it's, it's a very much about practical action. Yeah, um, I love that, yeah. And your website, Terry, seems to be like a real hub of information and resources and a place where people can go to, you know, to find out a lot more about this and to actually participate too. Can you talk a little bit about the writing stories that that you've got on there as part of that whole community? The wholehearted stories that are there. Yeah. So that project, which is women guest posting for me on my quiet writing website and blog, emerged as part of this journey too because as I was going through blogging's always been important to me as a way of finding voice and finding Mm. um, direction Uh, so I started my blog in 2010 shifted my website over in about 2016 to quiet writing but I just I got a bit tired of just hearing my voice so around mid 2017 I was really keen to invite other women to in in my community to tell their story and to talk about what wholehearted meant to them because at that time I'd already realised wholehearted was what my business was all about. Mm. It was about, you know, feeling, and to me that means, you know, living a full life, not living a half-hearted life, structuring your life to, to do what you really want to do and to tap into the desires that you have. And um, so I asked other women, women to contribute their stories about what that looked like for them. And it was interesting because I... You know, obviously I was going through transition. I didn't particularly ask women to talk about transition, but often that's what they talked about. Mm. Mm. They talked about the big moments in their life where something changed and often there's a very sort of 
there's quite a lot in the stories too about lis- listening within or hearing a voice or and there's just common things that have been really fascinating to to witness about what what happened for those women when they also went through big change or realized that you know in the middle of a, a change they knew they had to make and weren't quite sure what the next step was mm. so the stories reflect sometimes a couple of women have written about you know their relationship with writing over time how writing has you know been a real you know, support through grief or through change or through really difficult times. Others have written about art. There's quite a few artists who've written about how art has been helped them through trauma and through breakdown and lots of different situations. So my aim is to my, my next book will be working with those authors to bring those stories together into one volume. So I just think you know, in my story, I've drawn on those stories in wholehearted but I think mm. I'd, I'd like those voices also to be to be there as well so yeah it's a guest post project so people you know, welcome invitations uh, or welcome people to post it's an yeah. open invitation so yeah oh, I think just great. think it's important for us to hear other women's stories absolutely and I read through a few of those and I think it's that idea that you can see yourself and your own situation or journey in other people's lives and I think that really helps with this sense of all being part of the same thing. We all go through very similar things, maybe at different stages and in different ways, but there's that universality of mm. experience that yeah, you can we, see there. We often don't talk about it, though, I mm. find. And, and as I went through my my um, transition, I found, felt quite alone and I that's probably why I chose to write about it in the mm. chose to write about it in the book because I did feel quite alone. So I think that I think the stories connect us, and I think each story has empowered another woman to write. It's quite a healing process too. That's great. Mm. Well, the book itself. Let's get on to that. There's so much in there. Like it's actually quite dense with material, which is great. So could you just sort of walk us through what is in the book? You know, generally. Thank you. Yeah, I will. Thank you for your um, comments. Lovely to hear reader experiences as, you know, we head into launching the book into the world. It's great. Yeah, so I think it is fairly dense. I guess it's uh, sort of one of the reasons I chose the Nautilus on the cover, which, you know, Mm. the spiral shell, is I think a lot of what we do is go through lessons and learn and learn a bit more and keep spiralling up in our journeys. So the story, the Book of Wholehearted, reflects that sort of layering of learning and images and strategies and tools so there is quite a lot in but I hope it's something people can get the whole story but then dip in and out of as Mm. as you say they need to so I start off talking about my experiences particularly the point at which I realized that I had to make a transition Um, my life I was living wasn't serving me often with transitions as a turning point and I described the turning point for me of when I realized there's no way I'm staying in this organisation. I'm I'm heading off. I'm moving on, but often when we know that, it we can actually hit rock bottom because mm. we just don't know what the next step is like. So I talk people through and share my experiences. So it's sort of part memoir, part strategy, part practical toolkit. But the memoir part, particularly in the first section, just explains the transition that I went through, why it had to happen, how how it impacted me, and then realizing what was happening and the way out. As I went through the journey, I sort of learnt more later about what was happening. So in the drafting, I sort of came back and shared some of that learning around things like transition and turning points. So some of that concepts are just about how we manage change, such as, you know, change is external, but transition is internal. You know, that to me was just so powerful, realising that 
transition is about mindset. It's about how we cope with change. So I should talk about that. I talk about the the sort of the footholds that helped me to move on from where I was to the next phase of life and just uh, how it was quite a slow process, but of reaching out. And um, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about a long runway. So it was something that was sort of building over time, but that I kept, you know, building on and continued to build on day to day. So just talk about that process. I highlight some key themes for me. So things like, you know, getting back in touch with your passion, understanding your personality and your preferences, your gifts is really important. Working on your body of work, just understanding from your past what's, what's important for you, what are the key sort of themes that go through your life and how that can help take you forward. I, you know, it was one of the really important threads in my transition. Pamela Smith's, uh, Slim's book, Body of Work, was really important. And then the, the larger section of the book is 15 Wholehearted Self-Leadership Skills, where I pulled together all the things that helped me. Mm. And they're really like a toolkit so you can read through. And I imagine, you know, wherever women are on the journey, one of those will resonate strongly or a few might. So there's things you can do now, things you can do later to help you. And then the latter part of the book talks a bit about the shadow side too of going through change because um, it's not all sunshine and roses. Often there's things from our past we need to make, you know, integrate into our lives. Often when we're making transitions, difficult things happen as well, as as happened to me. Things like grief, envy, um, some of those negative emotions that can pop up. Mm. And then in the last section of the book, we sort of bring it all together, talk a bit about community, importance of community and connection, about self-leadership and a little bit too about almost like the glue to me that sort of helped me make sense of it, things like synchronicity and grounding ourselves in the everyday. Just those, just two things really popped out as almost like the glue that held all these pieces together. So, yes, it's sort of like a journey. Mm. <laughs> you can move, and, again, that, you know, as I was working out what the structure was like, it came to me very early on that this was the structure and that's that's sort of how you move through it, Yeah, which I hope makes sense to people too. But it's- like you say, I think that the cover is beautiful and um, obviously if you're listening on the podcast you can't see it but um, <laughs> you will you will see it on the, the posts on Instagram and Facebook but if you're seeing it on video it is a beautiful cover with that Nautilus shell and like you say, Terry, it is a, a fantastic symbol for that journey that you're talking about. And I was thinking of preparing the questions actually for the podcast and I used the word journey. And, you know, there's this whole thing now with the word journey being, oh, it's so cliche, you can't use the word journey. So it's almost got to the point now where every time I do find myself using it, it's like, oh, I can't say that. But, I mean, it is a journey, isn't it, that you're describing and, and we're all on on that journey. And, and, yes, okay, it has probably become overused and has become a cliche, but but all cliches are based in, in truth. Yeah, I relate to that because I often I'm writing sentences and I'll have journey like three times in the in the sentence because it's to me that is what it is. It's yeah. it's a long, long haul thing. Like it's not a it's not a sprint. <laughs> it's you know, like writing mm. a book. It's a marathon and it's you know, I've described I guess four years of my life, which was a big change, but all those strategies can take you through anything that happens. Well, when I was you know, looking through the book and working through different bits and reading it, there were a few things in there that really hit me as being really core elements. And uh, and there are more and you've mentioned others, but the three that really struck me were um, the role of intuition in our lives and learning to trust that, the, the writing and, and using writing as um, a way of discovering things about ourselves and about life and about others. And this whole idea of community and connection. Mm. So I just wondered if you could maybe hone in a little on each of those and talk about how you've used them as part of your your toolkit. Oh, thank you. And I love 
hearing from you those three key themes that popped out you know for you you know mm. looking at look at the, at the overall so that was lovely to to hear yeah so intuition and as I mentioned before when I started my journey there were those three pillars and one of them was about intuition and it was a really key part of my journey and I didn't know why but what I found was that intuition is such a powerful tool we can use to tap into our inner wisdom that's what it's really all about and often I think because we're busy because we're working we sort of skate on the surface of the days a bit and we don't take that time to tap into what we what we already know which to me is what that self-leadership concept's all about so with intuition it's developing whatever works for you from i use tarot and oracle cards as as a way of tapping into that intuitive wisdom that's there but it's daniel laporte describes it as being like a muscle that we need to learn how to use so what i've found through my work with women through my personal experiences is we can learn to develop our intuition that it's from, you know, just taking quiet time, having some tools to go within. You know, for some women it might be writing, it might be artwork. There's lots of different ways. It can be walking mm. walking on the beach, you know, or walking yeah. in the bush. <laughs> like it doesn't Meditating have, or, yeah. Yeah, anything. But it's just how we create the space and quiet to allow that inner voice to be heard. And then it's interesting with the wholehearted stories and women writing their stories, a lot of them have written about this too and it's, they all describe it a bit differently, but it's that idea of knowing how to hear that voice and trust it and discern that too from almost gut feeling can not always be intuition. <laughs> like mm. it's it can be just it can be a fear. Yeah. Too. So it's about separating out what's what's really our true wisdom from some of those other things that we're feeling. So that's that's been a really key part of the toolkit and something I work on a lot with women in coaching and through the book tarot features feel, pops up quite a lot you don't need to understand tarot but it's I guess you, I just show you how I use that as a tool which mm -hmm. you can adapt differently whatever whatever works for for you and for me morning pages was a really key part of my transition mm -hmm. Julia Cameron's practice yeah me um, too I started my writing life <laughs> doing morning pages and, and did them very regularly actually I, I'm not doing them at the moment but they have been a big part of my writing life well, what I found was when I started to go through trans my transition again, it was that sort of mid-July 2017, I noticed all these people who were sort of hitting goals were all journaling, doing morning pages, and I thought, I've got to get back to this practice. So just making that part of my life and something I still do and, and you know, talking to women about how that and in the book about how that's important is a really one of those key self-leadership skills because, I, again, I think it's that's how we create that ability to listen within to sort out what's happening. I use my morning pages to plan a lot. It's my planning tool. Like mm. I, I talk, you know, think a lot about what I was going to do yesterday, what I actually did, what's next. And for whatever way you work, a regular writing practice, I think is really important for just sifting, getting clear. And it can take all sorts of forms. It doesn't have to be morning pages. It can be journaling at night. It can be, you know, it can be a project that you're working on. But I think just that ability to surface what's happening through writing is a really important personal mm. growth um, tool and then communities so I think you know even the process of writing a book you think is a solo effort <laughs> you, you just sitting there and then you go to write your acknowledgements pages and mine's many, quite long because all the people who are part <laughs> of that community of writing and I think that's something I've really learned on my journey and I encourage other women to connect with is that we don't have to do this you know when I 
finally reached out to somebody to help me with editing, which was initially Penelope Love, who helped me with developmental editing. It was just so powerful. And I think a lot of us struggle on our own, but whether it's connecting through social media, whether it's connecting through you know, face-to-face when we have the opportunity. And for me, a lot of it's been two through group programs, myself being a like a part of a group coaching program or a mastermind. I know you have a writing group and your community yeah. is part of your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just think that's however it happens. And I, you know, most of the time it is online at the moment. And most of my connections have been online. I've just found that community for us as we go through change is really important because often our, if we are changing for me, you know, leaving a workplace, you lo- leave behind networks that you had. Exactly. Yeah. Connections that you have. So you almost got to start building again. So, yeah, I just think it's important for us to have support, particularly for creativity and for transition. For sure. There's a couple of things there, Terry, that I wanted to pick up on. So one of the things, you know, is this whole idea of intuition and and listening to your own inner wisdom and taking the time to do that. And something that always comes up, I think, for me and for a lot of people is this whole idea of, you know, life is really busy, it's crazy, we have a lot of demands put on us, we put a lot of demands on ourselves. How do you recommend people go about trying to find that space for themselves in in a busy life? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think carving that quiet space out is really the crucible, the the way that you're able to make change or get to what's important to you. So it's no accident that a lot of, you know, when you're coaching, life coaching with women, a lot of the goals are around journaling you know, writing out what your ideal day looks like, making space for intuition, for creativity. And so for me, it's about just trying to make sure you have some quiet spaces in your day to be able to access what's important to you. It'll differ a bit depending on your personality. Some people will naturally gravitate one way. I think it's important just to to do what's important to you, but also be willing to flex into new ways of of doing Mm. things. So as part of growth. So the, there's a great book called Lead Yourself First by Raymond Kethledge and Mike Irwin, which I talk about in the Wholehearted as well. And their idea is you know, they profile a whole lot of leaders like Winston Churchill and Jane Goodall and interesting mm. people about how they found clarity, analytical clarity, emotional clarity, different types of clarity through uh, going within. So for some it's going for a run, going for you know, a swim or a walk or writing there's a whole lot of you know, laying bricks is something I think Winston Churchill used to do. Mm. So it's, it, it doesn't really matter what it is, but it's that finding that way of tapping into yourself, taking yourself away from all the other influences. So for me in my transition, a really big practice that's been important to me has been swimming, which was something I wasn't doing until this time. But when I wasn't going out to work so much, I was able to connect with a local group, swim in the ocean a few times a week. And that practice has been Mm. hugely grounding hugely supportive and often it's just something like that which might not seem like a big thing but it's just stitching a practice that enables you to get that quiet to free your mind that helps you to sort of get a bit below the surface of the day and often you'll find when you're walking or swimming or running um, or riding whatever it might be that the ideas will just pop up or, or shortly afterwards they'll you know they'll appear Mm. And I think it's just anything that helps us to create that bubble and let us go within, get in touch with ourselves. It's interesting you mentioned that about the walking and the swimming. I I was talking to a writer friend recently and 
she's always been a daily walker so she's Mm. always listened to podcasts and you know and that's a time when she can find to fit that in you know it's like yeah I've got I've got this long list of podcasts I've got to catch up on I'll listen on my walk yeah but she said she stopped that and she's found that now as she's walking all these ideas about the book that she's writing are coming to her and she's finding she's able to then just go home and and sort of launch into the writing a lot more effectively than when she was, you know, having other things filling her brain. Yeah. Oh, no, I found that too. It's just that clearing, I think, just enables you to create the space. Mm. It just gives our cognition a chance to relax. Yeah. Um, while we get our ideas in the shower, for example. Constant. Yeah, washing up. That's right. <laughs> How was the process of actually writing the book for you, Terry? Because I imagine that you had a lot of material uh, that you had to compile. How did you find that whole process of gathering that all up and then getting it into the form where you thought now it's ready for publication or, you know, to actually be edited or whatever? Yeah, yeah, it was it's an interesting process. So I found that the shape came to me fairly early. I sort of knew, I think it's that sort of spiralling concept, you know, because I was thinking about my business came to me fairly early. So I was able to sort of get the structure in Scrivener, writing software fairly early about roughly what it looked like. And I made a start, I think I'd done about 10,000 words on the first part. And then I did NaNoWriMo, not that it was a novel, uh, but I, I used the structure of NaNoWriMo to get great. Yeah, it was really good to get my butt in the chair and get the 50,000 words written. And I had the outline pretty much there. So that was November 2017. And what I would do is using sort of the writing and tarot work I was doing would help me zero in on what I wanted to write. If I found, for example, intuition was coming up and there was a section on that, I'd use that energy to to write about that. And what I found particularly during that month when I was intensively writing was I actually put all the other books away. I just wrote from the heart and, you know, I think I'd been absorbing the experiences, living the journey, reading widely for a long time and listening. But I think that time was just a moment to just hear my voice, to put the other things aside, to let it come Mm. through. And, yeah, so that enabled me to get most of the draft done. I think it was another eight, nine months before I had it finished, had been through most of the pieces that I wanted to early draw editing and then I didn't quite know what to do with it so it sat there for a while incubating because it was 100,000 words it was a long long draft and then I reached out eventually to Penelope to help with editing and then we realized there was two books there we we sort of went through and color-coded the the draft and started to shape the pieces from that one piece of marble and yeah then went through lots of editing and then work with the Kind Press on the final stages on the publishing, um, getting it ready for publication with the beautiful cover and all the copy editing and everything required to make it as beautiful as it is. So. Mm. And it's such a great idea to have the workbook as well because, you know, so often you start to make notes in a journal or this is what I do, you know, if I'm working through something or making notes on something that I'm reading and then I'll put that aside and then I'll go back to it later and then can't find that journal or I've put it somewhere so I start another journal. But, yeah, it's a great idea to have it all in one place. It's a great process and what what we found was there was a lot of practical applications too that were sort of going perhaps a bit too deep for the main book, but were really useful to sit alongside in the workbook. So it's actually 37,000 words of text in there too. So it's not not just all blank, you know, sometimes, and I, you know, I use workbooks that are mainly questions and lines. I think they're valuable too, but what I found was I 
had more to, more to give <laughs> and mm. more just to flesh it out and examples and some of the examples from stories of wholehearted living just to help people to apply the ideas and then a place to jot down and, you know, for people particularly to go on their own journey with the book about how it applies mm. to them. So, yeah, it just takes it deeper, doesn't it? Mm. And can you tell us a little bit about Kind Press? Because they look like they've done such a beautiful job on the book and, you know, I know you were saying they've been so great to work with. Yeah, no, it's been a great pleasure to work with the Kind Press. So Natasha Gilmore is the, the lead and the main publisher in the, the Kind Press and has an incredible publishing background and brings all that experience. And as the title of the organisation, the Kind Press suggests mm. it's a really nurturing, supportive um, environment for new writers. So, so they're independent publishers and they work in a very assisted, supported way. So what I found really valuable with the Kind Press is that, you know, as we went through, I, I was able to be really part of the process in a very integral way. So working on the cover, working on the design of the book, on the copy editing, you know, it was very much a back and forward process and in a very strong partnership. So I found it to be uh, really powerful. So as a sort of first time author of a published book and doing two at once, I didn't make it easy for myself. For me as a first time person, mm. working in partnership with highly experienced publishers, copy editors, designers, you know, they you know, have social media in their team as well. So it's a, it's a whole package of support, mm. which I've just found really, really powerful. And I've learned a lot from the process too. So, yeah, so the plus has been being able to create beautiful books and learn a lot in the process. The other advantage with the Compress is they do, uh, do connect with independent booksellers. So you're able to get okay. books in bookshops, which I really liked about their model as well. A lot of, I think it's something different through Booktopia Publishing Services. Yeah, that's great because that can be a, a bit of a drawback, can't it, with the whole indie publishing thing is not being able to get your books on the shelves in bookstores. So if you can do that in any, any kind of way, it's great. We've talked about this idea of community and connection. And another thing that really resonated with me in, in your book was this whole idea of connecting with people online. And social media has become such a big part of our lives, or for many of us anyway, and, and connecting with like-minded people. So can you talk a little bit about your experience of that and who maybe are some of the people that you have connected with through social media or online who have become important in your own transition? Yeah, that's been such an important part of my journey to to connect with people online. So I feature a number of them in the book. Those, I guess, the people who really influenced me in my journey and who've sort of been creative mentors. They're all online. So Joanna Penn is one of those, for example, mm. with the Creative Pen Podcast. And I know you've had connections with Joanna. Yeah, yeah, great. she's very inspiring, Joanna. Yeah, yeah. I've been following her for ten years. So I just, you know, having having someone who shapes the sort of life that you want to shape you know what it doesn't have to look the same but I think it's inspiring to to connect with people that way so there's been those sort of role models and then there's been the connection with community you know on a, on a more one-to-one level and a group level so the main ways that's happened for me has been through Instagram so uh, yep. yeah so as I've gone through my journey particularly you know back four or five years ago a lot of us connected around some of Susanna Conway's Instagram challenges, like the August break that's just finished as, as we're speaking. And there's there's different, you know, daily prompts, but just that ability to connect and see the same people over time, you know, when the algorithm's sort of operating and that ability to connect around a theme or a, an image, practice our photography, practice mindfulness, just meant that it drew, you know, quite a few of us together who were of like mind and valued mm. creativity, you know, or women 
interested in you know shaping positive creative lives so that group and we then we sort of connected through another challenge through others that I've talked a bit about in the book but that that sort of core of people and there's quite a few of us has been a really important continuing community online and we you know we connect most days one way or another yeah. and some of those women I've met when I've traveled particularly overseas but also locally I've made time to connect with those women face to face and it's just such a joy when you've sort of been connecting and you know each other really well and then you connect through you know, meeting face to face and you and I met through Instagram I think initially, we did. so yeah <laughs> which is great and then we met face to face in a, at an event so it's that's um, right yeah that ability I think to connect with people you know through hashtags through what you post is a very powerful way of working you know there's a lot of negatives about social media but I, th- I think you can use it as a force for good that's very powerful and then the other thing has been being an active member of communities myself and you know whether that's as a learner you know it's a leading group coaching communities leading the wholehearted stories community leading my own community being part of the beautiful new coaching academy community but I think you know you need to show up reach out to people and it might be just be saying to someone do you want to have a you know a catch up online on zoom and just having a chat those sort of connections yeah. can be quite powerful where you sense a connection with someone for me it's been a really powerful part of my journey and one that I really recommend to other women mm. too yeah I think you're right I, I've been amazed I'm not amazed but pleasantly surprised a few times when I've reached out to people through Instagram because I think you know direct messaging has this sort of horrible connotation like a stalkerish but you know quite a few times now I've been really interested in what people are posting and really interested in in what their work sounds like or their writing and I've contacted them through generally through Instagram I have to say through messaging on that mm. rather than Facebook Messenger but and I know they're all you know very similar but I don't think there's been one time when I have had a negative reply or you know sometimes people might say oh look I'm really busy at the moment but that sounds great I'd love to connect with you I'd love to talk to you more about that and I'll get mm. back to you and often they just jump at the chance to make that connection you know so that's one thing I think people need to remember is never be afraid to reach out to whether it's a writer or another creative or somebody that you find inspiring online mm, absolutely yeah I think mm. that's something I've learned over time and it can feel a bit funny the first you know, first few times you do it and then it also can feel a bit funny when you then reach out and connect in person. But when when you do, it's the most it's the most amazing mm. thing. What would you say has been the biggest challenge for you, Terry, in well, I guess in writing the book and, and just in this whole journey that you've been on? Yeah, so one of the biggest challenges was just the life circumstances that happened to me. So just as I, I worked with a coach, I had a strategy for what I wanted to do. I just organised with someone at work to co-share our job role, which was like I remember jumping and punching the air when that happened because it was that sort of passage out. And then within a month, my mother was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. So she's, you know, in her 80s on her own. And so mm-hmm. I then took time off work to care for her and never actually went back to work because of the difficult time that she had and mm-hmm. the length of time. So the extraordinarily hard thing was that, you know, as I was spending that time with my mother, who, you know, which was a terminal illness, I was also trying to shape, reshape my own life. That was incredibly hard because it's such an emotionally difficult time. It's just so challenging. But I think, you know, if you read through the wholehearted stories of other women mm. and, you know, think about our own life circumstances, often it's just the way it's just part of life. But often when we start to make big changes, other things happen too. So I think that's 
that was challenging for me. And one of the reasons I did NaNoWriMo was just to carve out that hour a day, you know, to use Stephen's press field advice of just, you know, shaping the hours so that we're not fleeing from things, but we're mm. doing the work. And in the end, I realised from that, you know, it wasn't a huge amount of time. It was, for me, it was about an hour a day to just over an hour a day to get those 1,600 odd words written. Mm. So, yeah, so some of the huge challenge was just balancing those um, personal responsibilities, the emotional impact of that, the practical difficulties, and also trying to carve a new life. Probably the other one is just learning about creativity and change over the long haul because it's not a it's not a quick fix if you learn skills you've got to practice them if you're writing i mean you know how long it takes to write a you know, long haul creative process of writing a book yes. it's it's huge <laughs> you know even just the, i mean i was surprised how hard the editing was that was probably my big biggest challenge was just that slog of you know you know probably in the end was 18 months of editing just learning to be patient both with my business and my creativity and what was happening in life was probably the biggest challenge and lesson. And then that balance of having a vision of where you want to go, but just working step by step each day mm. to, you know, not get disheartened because it's not happening quick enough was probably one of the bigger challenges too. And then a lot of what's in the book is about strategies for that, you know, how to, how to keep your vision focused, how to shape it, how to, you know, things like morning pages and tarot keep you going each day and working out what the issues are. We could chat about this all day, Terry, I'm sure, but time is probably marching on. So I like to always finish these heart of writing episodes with the same question. And usually by the time we get to this point, people may have guessed it. But I will ask you just as a final question, what is at the heart of your writing and your work? Yeah, so probably two key concepts which sort of go together. So the first one is wholehearted self-leadership. And as I've gone through everything I've done, that's at the centre of the journey. But I guess in, in plain English, that means creating your story. So it's that idea that, you know, and I've got a piece of paper up here with create your story and all the things I'm doing shooting out from it. And it's that idea, of, the idea of being an active participant, having the skills, getting the self-knowledge, practising the self-leadership to live how we want to live, creating the books we want to write, creating the creative work we want to create, whatever it is, but that idea of being an active self-directing participant in our own story is, is what the book's about, what my life's about and what my coaching's about. So, mm, yeah. Fantastic. Well, Thank I highly you. recommend people pop onto your website and have a look because you have so much on there, as I said, all the resources, uh, the stories from, from other women about their wholehearted journeys and different services that you offer as well. So where can people find your website and find you online, Terry? So my website is quietwriting.com and on most social media I'm at writing quietly. So you can sense a theme there. Yeah, <laughs> and you do always have those gorgeous images often of where you live and mm. the ocean and everything. It's really lovely. Thank you. It's been so great chatting to you and I wish you all the best for the book, books, plural. Thanks so much, Pamela. It's been great to connect and thanks so much for um, sharing about my books and my journey and the opportunity to chat today. Thanks for listening to Rights for Women. I hope you've enjoyed my chat with this week's guest. If you did, I'd love it if you could add a quick rating or review wherever you get your podcasts so others can more easily find the episodes. Don't forget to check out the backlist on the Rights for Women website 
So much great writing advice in the library there. And you can also find the transcript of today's chat on the website too. You can find details on the website on how to support the podcast through Patreon and get exclusive access to the extended audio and video of the monthly craft episode. And you can connect with me through the website at rightsforwomen.com, on Instagram and Twitter at W4WPodcast, the Facebook page Rights for Women, or find me and my writing at pamelacook.com.au. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. And remember, every word you write, you're one word closer to typing the end. Music